0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
1: Welcome to Best Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper, created by Offscript. So
2: it was in 2014 and uh, we conceived very quickly in the second month of trying but that was a complicated pregnancy in that it was a partial molar pregnancy so that ended in miscarriage. We conceived second time around with my son Nelson exactly two years later. Both pregnancies we found out on my boyfriend's birthday. I was doing the weekly shop with my boyfriend and I bought some baby bells and he was like why are you buying baby bells because it's not something you usually buy and I was like I know the last time I bought baby bells was when I was pregnant before and he went you're fucking pregnant (laughs) now every time I see a baby bell and I think oh yeah I could have one of those I get the fear (laughs)
1: Hello, I'm Clemmie Hooper and welcome to Birth Stories, a podcast where I talk to amazing women about the fascinating and unique ways they have their babies. I'm a midwife and a mother of four and I also run a blog called Gas and Air, where women share their stories of childbirth. Today's guest is Maisie Hill, a women's health practitioner and also the author of a new book called Period Power. Her son, Nelson, was born after a really positive home birth three years ago. Maisie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so obviously, Maisie, we actually know each other. Yes, um, we do. I used to be a caseloading midwife in the same area of London where you worked. And um, we also have a mutual friend who you were her doula for. Yeah. So what, how would you describe what a doula is? Um, so the official line is
2: that we offer uh, practical and emotional support to people who are pregnant and their families. So it's support through pregnancy, birth, and the kind of immediate postpartum period afterwards, so usually like the first six weeks.
1: So I guess you've been at so many births that you probably had an ideal birth that you would like, would you say? Or how did you come to a place where you were planning what type of birth or where you would birth your baby? Well, at that stage, I'd been going to births for over a decade
2: So I had, I think, a very well-rounded idea of different birth scenarios, things that could work, things that can go off-piste, how to make the best of those kind of scenarios. I just really felt in light of the massive evidence base in favour of home birth, where appropriate, that that was going to be the best situation for me because I know knew that I'd feel nice and relaxed and in the absence of any reason to go in hospital that was where I wanted to really give things a go
1: and you chose to hire independent midwives yeah um what was your reasoning for this rather than using NHS midwives oh it's a tricky one because I've
2: had so many positive experiences with NHS home birth teams and they really are fantastic but for me I was always in the back of my mind thinking, well, what if there's a reason that I need to be in hospital? What if I choose to be in hospital towards the end? I wanted someone who could be a quite fierce advocate for me if they needed to be. And I just I knew these midwives from my own practice. And I just thought I'm going to be able to relax and get going
1: with things if I have them there. So how did you, you talk a lot about preparing for birth, both like mentally and physically. How do you think you did that? How did you achieve that? The list is quite
2: long. (laughs) In a segment. So um, first of all, I would say that I have a a quite long history of period pain. So I'd done a lot of work prior to trying to conceive to uh, deal with the period pain. And I did that successfully. So I think actually the work i was doing to prepare for pregnancy went on for years before actually deciding i wanted to have kids and actually trying i have as an acupuncturist you know really relied on that in the preconception period and especially after having a miscarriage i think it was it was really important to me before having another pregnancy that i had resolved as much grief and anxiety and fear as possible because I didn't want to go into a second pregnancy carrying the weight of that Mm. so there were a lot of things I did to work through that but in the actual pregnancy um, I had acupuncture, I had osteopathy so Nelson was in what we could describe as the perfect birth position from 19 weeks in pregnancy so he was um, LOA so head down On the left hand side, and he didn't budge from that position. Amazing. Which was amazing, but it also had consequences on how my hips and back and vulva felt. Because at one point, I had a really sore vulva on the left hand side that felt really swollen and sore, like I'd just been kicked by a horse. Um but was I had, on one of the veins Yeah and I just had one osteopathy treatment And that just radically improved it So from that point on I had regular osteopathy I used Nadia Narain's pregnancy yoga video at home And that was really helpful I tried not to lie around on the sofa, you know, there's the research from New Zealand on optimum fetal positioning and that came about because they noticed a change in how women were birthing and Mm realised that it happened after TV was introduced. (laughs) (laughs) So more commonly I'd sit on the floor and change position quite regularly and and really
1: work on that. And you took, I guess, the unusual decision to um, not have any scans in pregnancy. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that? Because that's quite yeah, unusual. It
2: is quite unusual. And um, so, in my first pregnancy, we would have actually found out that it was a molar pregnancy sooner had I had the 12 week standard scan. Mm-hmm. I decided not to because it didn't feel like the information gained from that scan would have much bearing on the choices we might make with continuing with pregnancy or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And having supported women through pregnancies that have been labelled as high risk or with babies, that there were severe concerns about their development. All of those, in my experience, have ended up to be false positives Mm. and resulted in huge amounts of stress through pregnancy. And I just thought, if there is an abnormality, we will... Deal with that, mm-hmm. or it might not be something that we can deal with. But um, I didn't want my experience of pregnancy to be dictated by that. Mm. And everyone thought I would have lots of scans second time round to see if it was the pregnancy was, you know, developing all okay and not another molar pregnancy. But I chose not to for the same reasons first time round. But then around nine and a half weeks, I could feel something on my right hand side. And we were about to go on holiday, so we went and had a private scan, and they said, yep, everything's absolutely normal, and it was actually, I could feel him moving Amazing. at that early on, which I never thought was possible. You know, I read about it sometimes that women can feel pregnancy from very early on, and I thought, well, are you sure you don't just need to fast or something? <laughs> <laughs> So much is blamed on wind.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you never felt, I guess, anxious that there was anything wrong. You were really confident your baby was growing. Yeah. Obviously your midwives were checking and measuring your bump and all of that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing is that we, don't get me wrong, all of these forms of um, investigating pregnancy have their uses and I'm not against them in any way but I think we can sometimes place too much emphasis in technology and forget about the skill that actual midwives have. And, you know, in my, I would say, quite vast experience, midwives are excellent clinicians and I had a lot of faith and confidence in mind. So, you know, in the absence of them flagging anything up, why would I not trust my body?
1: So you were getting towards the end of your pregnancy... And getting everything prepared. So you're planning a home birth. Had you thought about a pool? Were you quite keen on the water? Yeah, I was
2: keen on being in the water just because I, you know, when with my history of period pain, I knew how much being in water could relieve that pain. I also liked the idea of, you know, even with independent midwives and a very supportive boyfriend, just the idea of being in my own space. Mm. I was really drawn to that. And I just felt, you know, it's good to have it there as an option.
1: Yeah. So how many weeks were you when you started going into labour? In my
2: 39th week, which was a bit of a surprise for me, because as a doula, when you're on call, you know, from like 37, 38 weeks onwards, you can be on call for over a month sometimes. (laughs) So I had also in my mind thought, oh, probably nothing's going to happen until the 41st week, because I just wanted to take the pressure off myself. So when I started to get a show in the 39th week. I was like, oh, Mm. interesting.
1: (laughs) So a show is, for any listeners, is when um, the mucus plug can start coming away from the opening of the cervix. Often women get really excited when it happens. But um, obviously with your experience as well, Maisie, you know that it can be then days until anything can happen. It just means that things are starting to change, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go into labour that day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was one of the scenarios where I often felt like I was being two people, I was being doula-maisy and then just woman in pregnancy, Maisie. <laughs> and this would be quite frustrating for my boyfriend, who was like, well, what does this show mean? What? And I would give him like my professional answer that I give clients. <laughs> so I'd say, well, it might mean that something happens in the next 48 hours, but sometimes it can be two weeks before anything happens. He was like, oh, just oh. tell me. Um But that definitely was the start of something shifting. So, there was more mucus coming out and I also had quite loose stools.
1: I also didn't want to stray too far from home. So at the back of your mind, were you thinking, I think things are happening? or were you, And were you also trying to keep your boyfriend's kind of excitement levels at yeah. bay? I'd said to him,
2: look, can you just make sure we've got a hose that's long enough and tap <laughs> connectors? for the pool that will fit our very awkward taps and so he spent the weekend running around like five different diy oh God, shops really? trying to find some just like buying 10 and <laughs> <laughs> and we'd had our neighbors over for lunch on the day on the sunday when labor actually started that um late that evening and i was sat on the birth ball which was not unusual but i just could feel myself stretching out my hips and lower back and so yeah and so pregnant Maisie was just enjoying lunch with neighbours yeah but doula Maisie was there kind of observing (laughs) things going this is
1: interesting that you're doing this with your hips (laughs) so that was on the what day was that was Sunday Sunday evening yeah and then did you think I should probably get some sleep I did but (laughs) I was also just like I'm
2: gonna make food so we've got food (laughs) So I went on a bit of a cooking frenzy and I think also with hindsight, just wanting to enjoy an evening with Paul. Hmm. And then when we did finally go to bed way later than we had been going to bed, it was like quarter to 12. And as soon as I lay down in bed, I was like, oh, I just need the loo to so run off, more loo stalls, and then get back into bed. And then like, oh, I need to go again. Off I go. And just feeling... Things being a bit cervixy at the same time.
1: Yeah. And thinking, could this be it? Did and you ever examine yourself internally at that point? Yeah.
2: So I'd been examining myself and I'd actually asked my midwife to examine me at the last appointment before mm. this happened, just because I thought, I want to know what a vaginal examination feels like. I want them to meet my vagina before I'm in labour. Like, let's do this (laughs) in um, more normal circumstances. (laughs) They were a bit surprised, I think. Like, oh, you know, this is quite soft and Mm. already starting to open Mm -hmm. and the cervix is anterior, so quite far forward, which is um, where you want it to go for labour. Yeah. Then after the examination, she said, any plans for the next week? And it was when she asked that that I was like, "Does she think it's going to happen soon?"
1: You hang on because, to every word of your midwife, don't yeah, you? <laughs> because she'd never asked anything like that before. Ah, so did you eventually get some sleep that evening? No, things just got going. Really, that was it. So. So your waters hadn't gone at this
2: point? No, they hadn't. So this was around midnight and I just kept trying to lie down and I was just getting contractions probably like every three minutes or so straight away. Um, So I just said to Paul, can you run the bath? I think I'm just going to need to get in the bath. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite prone to feeling faint and lightheaded. Mm. And so I wanted to make sure that I was eating food that was going to keep me going. So mm. I had this idea, early labour, I was going to have scrambled eggs, get some protein into me. And there was just absolutely no chance. Mm. Um I was just in that bath, and I asked Paul to start filling up the birth pool, which he had an absolute nightmare with, because oh no. None, no tap connector we could find would fix on.
1: After all his going to all these different yeah. DIY shops, and oh no, no. None of them So he
2: managed to get it kind of hovering onto the hot tap in our bathroom, but not a mixer tap. Oh. So that meant that he was going back and forth up the corridor, oh my past goodness. me in the bathroom with buckets of cold water and hot water from the kitchen, trying to...
1: Not quite the relaxing sort of early labour. No, (laughs) but
2: I had suspected and we talked about this. um, I'd suspected that I would probably want to spend a lot of my labour on my own. Mm. Just getting on with it. Yeah. I didn't want to feel observed because I know how that can really influence birth and slow it down. So it was it was part. Cognitive reasoning, like mm-hmm. understanding the science of birth and what would work in my favor. Yeah, but it was also instinctual as to what would work for me. Yeah. So when did you call your midwives? So Paul called one of our midwives. Yeah. At ten to three in the morning. So this yeah. is like the Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And and were you still in the bath at this point? Yeah. So I was still in the bath. He was filling up the birth pool. We just had this nice communication going where he would stop in once in a while as he was flying by with a bucket going, do you need anything? And I'd go hot if I needed more hot water or I'd hold out my hand if I needed something to drink. Ah. So that also kind of alerted to me that maybe things were moving quite quickly, that my communication had got that abrupt so soon. But yeah, Paul called Viv and they were just having a chat and he was giving her the timings of things and... Then there was just like me in the background going, tell her to bring the gas. <laughs> Make sure she brings the gas. <laughs> <laughs> How far away do they live from you? Were they So we were in Peckham, South London, and they were quite far in North London. Right. So we'd always known we needed to give them quite a bit of a heads up to get And God, over. it was the night, I guess, because yeah.
1: they could zoom over in their yeah. car. And was Nelson still in this perfect left yeah. position? Yeah, so he was still there and his head was always
2: quite... Low was it? Yeah, always quite low. Like you know when, when men are concerned about penetrative sex, yeah, they're like you know, we say to women, oh, just tell them the head's nowhere near there; they're not going to touch it. Like his head was right there. (laughs) There was concerns. Yeah, he may
1: have been knocked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um. So yeah, so he was always quite engaged. Yeah, which helped. Definitely.
1: So you probably sounded quite what we would call transitional at this point, which is when you're going into the next phase of labour just before, I guess, you start instinctively pushing. Yeah. I remember my last labour with the twins um, going into transition and I had my eyes closed and I was just on all fours on the bed and I heard my midwife opening the delivery pack very quietly and midwife clemming is going oh there's no way i'm ready to push this these babies out yet and my body saying you're going to push this baby out and i remember just shouting to my midwife why are you opening the delivery pack it's not time yet yeah but obviously i was showing signs i was definitely about to deliver so did you find yourself in this like there were two mazes on your shoulders Yeah, definitely. And I was also a bit preoccupied by
2: Paul huffing and puffing with all the buckets, which was like understandable, but it really took me out of my zone. Yeah. You know, I was like... It was a distraction in the wrong sense. Yeah, because I was just like nodding off in between contractions and kind of like tripping out a bit, you know, on all the great hormones. And then I'd hear him going, oh, like that. I'd be like,
1: shut up. (laughs) Just fill the pool. And did you wait till your midwives got there until you got in the pool? Oh, well, so what ended up happening was
2: Viv, um, the first of the midwives, arrived just after four. Mm-hmm. And I was managing the contractions fine, but there was like every kind of third one, there was a part of it that just felt really intense. And I thought, if I can have the gas for those ones, yeah, then I can keep going in the bath and like we're, we're cool for a bit. So I was kind of like future proofing things and just thinking ahead to... You yeah. There's that, like the dealer in me is always thinking like, yeah. okay, this is the scenario now. What yeah. are the next two to four hours going to be like? Um, were you worried you were still in the very early stages?
1: And yeah. It was, you yeah. Were that finding was finding it really, really hard.
2: Yeah, that was in the back of my mind. It was like, yeah. mm, on one hand, things could be fairly advanced, yeah. but if they're not,
1: then we need to, you know, this. what
2: strategies are we going to use? Yeah. So that was definitely in the back of my mind. So when Viv got there, <laughs> and I was just like. Viv the gas. <laughs> just give me the gas. <laughs> That's all you wanted. And she was quite rightly trying to like delay me a bit because they only carry a certain amount. Uh-huh. And she was saying, we just want to make sure that we use it at the right time yeah. and that we're, we're not going to have a scenario where it's really working for you, but we run out. So she was, you know, saying, oh, you're doing really well, you know, saying all the right things to keep me going. But I had just got this thing in my mind of like, I want to use the gas now. Yeah, That's cool. That I used it you with have, the miscarriage, you yeah. know, at the end of the labor with the miscarriage. So It's good stuff, gas now. Yeah. Yeah. So Viv just like kept, you know, encouraging me and trying to delay me a bit and I just went Viv like cuz I knew what she was doing. i was yeah. like, Viv, what do I have to do to get the gas? <laughs> <laughs> and she went knowing that I didn't want unnecessary vaginal examinations. Yeah. She was like Well, I could examine. And before she even finished the sentence, I'd leapt up in the bath and was getting out. So, you know, the doula me was like, oh, you should go to the loo before she does this. So so I sat down on the loo and I just got a bit grunty. So the me just in labour was thinking, oh, this is taking a bit of work to have a poo. And then the doula me was like grunting. Oh, interesting. (laughs) It's.
1: It's a very, um, I think with and midwives, we're so in tune with women's noises. Yeah. That when a woman makes that noise, it's like ears prick up. Yeah. Everyone sort of stops writing in the notes and looks yeah. at each other, trying to, oh, could this be? Yeah. How Is did the- that contraction feel yeah. for you there? Any pressure? Yeah. <laughs> did that feel like you might need a poo? And the amount of women that have denied to me in labour... I don't need to push, I just need to poo. And I'm like, yep, that's fine. And, you know, nine out of 10 times it's a baby. (laughs) So that
2: happened. Then we went through to the bedroom to Mm. uh, do the examination. And your waters were still intact? So, water's still intact. So, Viv did the examination, and she would say, you're like six to seven. Membranes, so the amniotic sac was bulging Great, the cervix, so all good things. So she hopped on the phone to Andy, the other midwife, to let her know what the scenario was. So, And I remember her saying to Andy, yep, come, but there's no rush. Right. So immediately after that, I had a really, really intense contraction. Mm. The kind of intrac- contraction where you really feel like you're up against the edge of a cliff And you have to decide, well, there's no decision. You just have to jump and go with it. And it was just like a steam train moving through my body. Like, it was so full on. Um, Could it break your waters? Yeah. Yeah. So my waters went and then I could feel that I was starting to bear down. And I said to Viv, Viv, I'm pushing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, go with it. And I was like, but I'm only six, seven. (laughs) And she just said... Your cervix is, like, soft and flexible. It will stretch if it needs to. Amazing. Like, you're fine, which was great because I'd been as a doula at births where women had been in the same scenario. And perhaps the midwives didn't have the experience Mm -hmm. or maybe they'd had negative experiences where they told women to hold off on bearing down. I
1: mean, it's (sighs) the most difficult thing for a woman to be able to do because the... Well, I do. I mean, it sounds quite vulgar, but it when your body is pushing your baby out, it does feel like you're vomiting out your bum. Really, there is when you're going to vomit, you just vomit. You can't hold in vomit. And it is the same feeling. Yeah. And I just think when women are told not to push and they're pushing, it must be so difficult. Yeah. Was it a relief when she said just go with it? Totally. Totally. Because I needed
2: to know that because when she said six to seven Mm. and then I felt that massive urge to bear down. That made me anxious because of Mm. other experiences I've had. So having her just say, just go for it. Your body knows what it's doing. So then I examined myself and I could feel his head. And then I was like, his head's there. (laughs) Just literally, just inside. Just inside. And she went, right, where do you want to have your baby? Here or in the pool? Oh, And I was like, in the pool, but I can't get there. Um, And she just said the perfect words of... You know, you've done so many amazing things with your life, Maisie. You're a strong woman. It's the next room. If you want to get there, you can. Oh my
1: God, it's giving me goosebumps. Yeah. Aww. And it
2: was really special because I had had the same experiences with other clients where I've been in that position of saying those words to them for them to make it down a corridor. And, yeah. you know, and so I drew on the strength of my clients as well to do that. And, I think that's the thing with birth is that you have to go through so many doors in your own mind, but there's so much more that's contributing to it than what's actually happening in that room at that time. It's, And for me, I had the benefit of supporting hundreds of women and families through their births and I had, I had their experiences with me and their our histories and relationships carrying me through as well and I to be honest there was also times when I was really struggling when I would think Maisie you're fucking lucky to be lying in a bath of hygienic hot water Mm. because there are women around the world who have to walk miles and miles to go to a birth clinic you know so that was also that position of privilege got me through some of those you know parts of my brain that I had to get through yeah So at this point, I'm like waddling on tiptoes, walking so slowly and, you know, just trying using my pelvic floor to hold him in. Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul's still going back and forth with buckets, no idea with what's going on. And I just grabbed his hand and said, I need you now. Come in. And so I got in the pool and he sat down on a chair, like ready to do his birth support. And Viv went, do you want to see the head?
1: <laughs> so Did she have a mirror? So
2: there was no time for that because it, I'd just gone. So from her examining me to him being
1: born was 15
2: minutes. Oh
1: my God. So, so you were like six to seven centimetres.
2: Yeah. What position did you get into in the pool? I was on my side. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was really... Nice. So now I finally had the gas. I got to use it for three contractions. (laughs) Was it how you imagined? (laughs) It was really helpful because I just wanted to be able to slow him down a bit. Yeah. Because he was coming with force, you know, and sometimes women's bodies just adjust to that and there Mm. isn't an issue. But I wanted to just try and slow things down. Yeah. Um, and and for your pelvic floor yeah so many you know positives to that and Mm. I just I think also a slight mental calibration of like yeah this is it we're about to have our baby yeah and I was also going to fall (laughs) take a photo take a photo because I just wanted I'd wanted photos of me in labor and things like that so he managed to get some in those final moments but yeah, I could feel him coming. You know when you see the, the head crowning and it's kind of coming back and forth. Did you have bit. your hand down there? Were you? Yeah, I was feeling intuitively touching there. Yeah, and also using a bit of counter pressure as well mm. um, on your perineum. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then the third one, he came out. I think he just came out in one go. I don't. Maybe Did his they? head came out and the, his body came out before the next mm. contraction. I think it's a bit hazy that part. But yeah, it had was. Have the second midwife got
1: there? No. No. So no. So you still had your first midwife?
2: Yeah. So it it all happened very quickly. But it was fantastic. Did you reach down and pick him up? Yes, I did. And his the cord was around his neck, which I think that was another thing that was really helpful from being a doula. I know how common it is for cords to be around the neck. And a lot of Um, the time it's not an issue. No. And so I just untangled his cords. Yeah. Uh, We didn't know he was a he. So one of the things that Paul and I had discussed was, um, unless we were presented very quickly with genitals, (laughs) that we would hold off on looking to see what we'd had and just enjoy the moment of having a baby. How long do you think that was? Like five minutes or so. It was really nice just it's to really take special. our baby in for who they were.
1: Rather than it what was between yeah, their legs. Yeah,
2: it was really, really nice. And it was really calm and just. it was just fantastic. It was such a great feeling. And did Nelson
1: come out? Did he cry? Did he... A little bit, but quite, not... Babies are often a lot slower to respond, yeah. which is normal. Yeah. But also... He was probably really chilled.
2: Yeah, he was really chilled, and he just, you know, we just had a a really nice cuddle. My placenta came out very quickly. There was like minimal blood loss. I mean, Viv was like, "I'm going to write 100 mils
1: because <laughs> Where I have to is put it? something." <laughs> Where was your blood loss? <laughs> um, Did you tear? Did you?
2: I had a small second degree tear. But it didn't need stitches and I knew that I was going to be, um, you know, part of my postnatal plan was spending a lot of time in bed. You know, I often see women who've just given birth on like day three hobbling down the street because they want to go to the farmer's market or, you know, go grab a coffee. I'm shaking my head here, by the way. I'm just like, it just (laughs) Um,
1: drives me mad. Women don't look after their bodies after they've had a baby.
2: So I knew I wanted to do the, you know, that we often talk about in birth, the week in the bed, the week around the bed. I think I had such a successful post-birth experience because I had very low expectations of things and I had a plan of people who were going to visit, that they were going to bring food, that they were going to drop off food, that I would have someone come and give me a treatment on day three because I know that's often when hormones go a bit haywire and it's a hard one to get through. So And that all really started with the
1: moment of birth and just taking things easy and enjoying them. How do you feel on reflection, how it went? I mean, do you feel lucky or do you feel it isn't down to luck? Ah,
2: a lot of birth, I think, is down to luck. Yeah. Yeah. I shy away from saying, oh, I did a lot of preparation. That's why I had a good birth, because there are so many women who do a lot of preparation and they don't get the birth that they they wanted. Yeah. So I'm hesitant to say that I think it helped having a miscarriage. You know, my cervix had to undergo some changes in order for that pregnancy to end in the way that it did. So I think that probably had an impact. But I think a huge amount of it is really down to birth is very normal for me because of all the births that I've been at and all the stories I've heard. It's just, it's so normal and not having that fear of things in the back of my mind and knowing what I might want to do in certain scenarios just meant, it just freed up a lot of mental space, which is probably why I was so able to focus on what I wanted post-birth and often you know it's it's common for the focus to be on the pregnancy and the birth and not much preparation goes into what happens afterwards Yeah. would you do it again oh yes (laughs) you look like you're longing to I know that's the thing if I if having a baby was about being pregnant and giving birth and like the first six months
1: I would do it again it was brilliant In each episode of Birth Stories, my guest and I take a question from a listener and try to help them out. Here's this week's question. Do you think we can do it, Maisie? I hope, I hope we can. <laughs> I recently found out I can't have a home birth because of my high BMI and I'm utterly heartbroken. What should I expect in the labour ward and how can I make it less clinical? So BMI is obviously your body mass index. Yeah.
2: Well... I think as a starting point it's a good idea to speak to an independent organisation about what your status actually is mm-hmm. and indeed if there is a possibility somehow of you having a home birth so aims are really fantastic the association for improvements in maternity services and they've got uh, they've got a booklet on home birth but they've also got a really fantastic helpline and I just think it's helpful To have a conversation with someone outside of the NHS about what's going on, because even if they say the same thing that the NHS are telling you, you know that's where you need to be and Mm. that there's good reason for it. And of course, if there's any variant, whether it's to do with BMI or any other factor that could be going on in pregnancy, it's just helpful to get a really good understanding of of where you stand. definitely. I think there was this really amazing home birth midwife that I went to quite a few births with in Hackney and one of the things that she would say a lot that I love repeating to people is home birth is a state of mind, it's not Mm. a place. And I think that's so important for giving birth in a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And there are vast amounts of things that you can do in order to have a really positive experience in hospital yeah. it doesn't have to be all suddenly all the bells and whistles that you tend to get with hospital birth mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that you can do and I know that Clemmy, you do that when you are at birth try to yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I think yeah like you're talking about birth environment aren't you yeah so one of the things I would probably suggest is maybe having an appointment with if there's a consultant midwife yeah. at the hospital you're Due to have your baby and maybe have a visit of the labour ward and discuss the options of going to if there's a midwife led room or if there's a birth centre there and seeing what options you've got there if you can use a pool in labour and sort of just I guess I'm picking a lot of this is guidelines isn't it yeah and you know she's already said in her email that I'm not allowed, which I know something a word that you and I probably yeah. grip our fists at. But you know, guidelines are guidelines. It's not protocol; it's yeah. a guideline, and it's based on evidence of research. Yeah. So you can decline, for example, if you wanted to have your baby in the midwifery lead unit, um, but they're recommending you have continuous monitoring of the baby. You can decline that. Yeah. As long as you're well informed and you've been presented with the good evidence. So don't feel like this is the be all and end all.
2: Yeah. And I think also thinking about what are the reasons you wanted to have a home birth yeah. and what aspects of that can still be achieved in hospital birth. And and also, I think, you know, when we talk about luck in birth, often having a midwife that you click with yeah. is down to luck. And women want various forms of birth you know some women are set on having an epidural yeah some want a cesarean some really don't want a cesarean and all of those forms of birth are all valid you know for whatever reason there's no right and wrong way but I think having support from someone whether it's a doula or a midwife who gets what you want and is going to help you to have the experience that you would like is Mm -hmm. really important so if you have a midwife who comes in the room and is really focused on all the equipment Mm -hmm. rather than speaking to you and about what you want, then maybe that's a scenario where you or your partner request if there's another midwife who is more in tune with you working towards things perhaps in a more natural way. and Because likely there'll be someone else in another room who's got a midwife who is really into natural and birth and home birth, but that woman really wants an epidural. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes there are scenarios where you can swap. Yeah, helpful to know. Not that the NHS has loads of spare midwives running (laughs) around, by the way, but (laughs) sometimes
1: it's possible. Yeah. You just quickly mentioned about doulas. Is it doula.org? Yeah, doula.org.uk is the main list of doulas in the UK. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Um, If you've got a question you'd like me and a guest to answer on the podcast, please email birthstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Maisie, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. I know you are super busy. And thank you for sharing um, Nelson's amazing birth. How can people find out about you? What have you got? What are you doing? Well, my book, Period
2: Power, um, is out now in all good bookshops. Um, It's brilliant,
1: by the way. (laughs) I've told so many female friends to buy it.
2: (laughs) And you can find me on Instagram. I'm underscore Maisie Hill underscore. Um, Love the underscores. (laughs) And um, my podcast is called There Will Be Blood, and that's available through Audible. And you can also get information on tracking your cycle for free through my website, MaisieHill.com. And you can also find information about my online membership, the Wombtang Clan there. Thank you, Maisie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's great to look back and
1: reflect on it all. Thank you for listening to Birth Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper. Remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast app so that you can listen as soon as the podcast comes out each week. And please rate it and leave a review if you have time. You can find more Birth Stories on my blog, Gas and Air, and you can find me on Instagram at motherofdaughters. Birth Stories was produced by Hannah Varrell and created by Offscript.